Welcome to In Search of the Mind of God. We invite you to search with us the mind of God. When searching His Word, we can always be sure of our salvation will not be used on man's ideas or false feelings. It will never be our purpose to promote any denominational doctrine of any religious group. Man is fallible. God is not. This program is brought to you by the Port St. Lucie Church of Christ. We are located at 384 East Midway Road here in White City, Florida. This program contains previous recordings from Joe Wilson, who graduated from this life in 2018. We invite you to join us for worship. Personal Bible study is available, and we propose to know nothing among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. you do learn and we hope that you understand what is being said a lot of things come to mind today when we talk about unjust religious leaders Matthew 23 Jesus begins a treatise and we're going to spend two or three weeks on Matthew 23 because there's some things that we can learn there that we need to understand and in understanding we'll be able to complement the word of God and follow its teaching and its instruction. I was talked to by a friend this past week, and he comes up to me and he says, uh, Joe, I understand that you are the pastor of a church. I said, well, who gave you that information? Well, he says, uh, aren't you a preacher? Oh, I said, yeah, now that I am. Oh, did he say, uh, he said, did I say something wrong? I said, well, without meaning to, you did. And it's not your fault. It's just been something that's been taught by a lot of people. And when we get to thinking about these things, I need for us to understand that there are words that are given in the scriptures that don't have the same definitions as words we use and apply to the scriptures. And if we do, we give a false connotation of what is being taught. Now, the Bible teaches there is such a thing as a pastor, but the word pastor is the derivation of the word that comes from the word elder, and the word elder is a one who can be an older person or one who is set aside to aid the saints in achieving their goal of eternal life. And these brethren are those who many times and in a lot of instances are preachers of the gospel and in some instances that are not. Now most reverence the religious leaders and so did the Jews of the first century. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes had searched and reached for a pinnacle that the great prophet of God, though, had to address because of the grievance of their sin. When we get to the word elder, in the Latin language, it comes from the word hierarchy. Hierarchy means that this word, which is translated from the 
into the Latin word for priest is called priest rule. So when somebody's talking about a pastor, or are they talking about a group of people where the priest rule? Now, you'll never find the word hierarchy in the New Testament. First of all, it's a Latin word. And the New Testament was written in Greek. So you're not going to find too many words in the New Testament that are not written in the Greek language. And if they are, they're usually in Hebrew. None in Latin. The translations that have come about over the years have though been done and people have slipped in words that definitions have been given to. And these definitions are not those that are based upon the word of God. They're based upon their religious beliefs. In the third to the fifth centuries, the Roman Catholics started a segment of their religion following Constantine, and they were those who had priest. Now, the Latin word for elder is priest. And so when the Greek language would be spoken about, they would be calling them patriarchs. When the Latins would speak of them, they would call them pastors or priest rule, a hierarchy that would give the idea that one was greater than the other. There are people that have been taught all their life that there is religious division in the body of Christ. They have been taught that there are men who have greater power and responsibility instead of a greater function to serve. And because of that, these people have reached a pinnacle that they need to be addressed so that we might know what they are and who they are. If somebody calls you a pastor, it would refer to an elder. It could be in the Latin priest. It could be a part of a hierarchy that the Roman Catholic Church started that ended in what was called the Pope, which, by the way, also is Latin. It's Latin for the word father or papa. And that's the head or the highest position of authority that can be attained. And when we read the words of Jesus, he jumps all over this. And we've not understood it as it is taught. Look at Matthew, the 23rd chapter. They've gotten themselves into a doctrine that no more is taught the truth of Christ nor the spirit of the gospel than in anything else. When things are made up of pride, even though they're working under the cloak of religion, they set these people in a dazzle because these darlings that they have 
have made themselves those who are loved and followed instead of Christ. It was so much so in the time when Christ was here on the earth that it was literally taught by the Sanhedrin if there were two people that were going to go to heaven, one would have had to have been a Pharisee and the other would have had to have been a Sadducee. That was your entrance into eternal life. But Jesus comes along and teaches a doctrine that's completely different. The people had to be told about those wolves. In Acts the 20th chapter and the 20th, 29th and 30th verses, Paul said, After my departure shall grievous wolves enter into the flock, not sparing it. And men shall rise up from among you speaking perverse things, seeking to draw away disciples after them. It's true, unfortunately and sadly, that it was prophesied and predicted by the God of heaven that there would be those that would come amongst the church of Christ through the eldership that would rise up to draw away disciples after them. And then in the book of Philippians, the third chapter, in the second verse, Paul says, beware of the dogs of the concision. Now, it's kind of a rough thing to call somebody a dog or a wolf. But Paul writing in 2 Corinthians 11, chapter and the 13th verse, talks about those who are deceitful workers, false apostles, ministers of Satan. I hate to tell you, folks, but these weren't members of a denominational church. These were members of the Church of Christ. So the people must be told about these wolves and these dogs and these deceitful workers. And then there's the famous John, the 10th chapter, where Jesus talks about the hireling. And sadly, even good men can have their eyes dazzled with worldly pomp and the celebration of man. So as to follow and decide on the wrong premise. I had this same man tell me the other day. He said, you know, my wife likes brother, and he mentions a guy's name. You might know him, so I'm not going to mention his name, although it's a common name, and you'd have a hard time finding out who this guy is, but I'm not going to mention it anyway. She likes brother so-and-so. I said, well, what does she think about Jesus Christ? Oh, well, you know, she worships him, but I said, well, if Jesus Christ contradicts brother so-and-so or if brother so-and-so contradicts Jesus Christ, who would she like the best? Oh, don't you bring up religious division. It's been a long time I've gotten her even to come into the idea of thinking that there is such a thing as Christianity. So what do you do? Not tell the truth at any time? If a man stands in your presence and has the wrong attitude and the wrong purpose for being there, teaches a false doctrine, and is made to be thought to be a servant of Christ, and allows people to believe a lie and be damned, are you supposed to be quiet and not say anything about it? 
Now, the Pharisees were at the helm of the church government in the Old Testament. In Matthew 23, verse 1 and 2, Jesus said, The scribes and the Pharisees all sat at Moses' seat. And therefore, whatsoever they have teaching, you observe and do. But he said, don't do that that they do, for they say and do not. They preached sometimes what they didn't do themselves. And they bound laws and regulations and rules on people that they wouldn't themselves participate in. Reminds me of the United States Congress and Senate. They passed laws that we're supposed to be bound by, but they themselves are not affected. There's many a good place that's filled with bad men. But the job that they hold and they do should be held by just and honorable men in the positions of authority that they have. But sadly, when the whole group is led by a leader who has decided not to uphold God or his word, somebody has to stand and say something about it. I believe it's in the book of Psalms. In the 12th chapter, I was reading. If you'll turn back me to Psalms, the 12th chapter, we'll see. Maybe it's a pretty startling thing, but maybe it's a very explanatory thing that we're finding in our time and in our life. In the book of Psalms, the 12th chapter and the 8th verse, it says, The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. When you get people who don't intend to do what's right, who don't intend to believe what the scriptures teach, then you have a confusion in mass that before had never taken place. And so God has to call them out. Never think that the good truths or the good law is that which is being spoken against, even if preached by bad men. Always remember, though, that it's the truth that'll make you free. And you'll know that truth if you listen to the Word of God. Now, these Sadducees and Pharisees had a problem. I'm going to read to you about them and see if you don't see them in the religious newsreels of the day. I guess they don't even have newsreels anymore. What would they call them? Clips? We used to have newsreels, you know, where they had a reel where you'd put the tape on it. Uh, forget it. You didn't even know about the cat and the mice, so I'm not going to worry about that. It says, <laughs> Matthew 23, 4, For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. As it is said in the last part of the third verse, they say and do not. But all their works they do to be seen of men. 
<coughs> yes, when a man approaches you and he allows you to give him a title or a name that causes you to think that he's superior to you in the family of God, somebody is telling you a lie. I don't care if he calls himself elder or deacon or preacher or whatever he calls himself. In the family of God, all members of this kingdom are equal. Jesus says they make broad their phylacteries. Now, a phylactery, if you don't know what it is, wasn't a biggie. These boys wore the dress of women in those days, not the dress of men that we wear today. These Pentecostal holy rollers tickle me in talking about the clothing well, in the day that Jesus was here on the earth, they wore gowns, dresses. The women wore pants. And they would wear these gowns, and they'd have an outside garment. And in that outside garment, it would flower open. And as they walked, they would just take their, like their suit coat and open their suit coat and the reason they opened their suit coat was not let out the right guard. The reason they opened the suit coat was you could see something attached to the inside. So holy were these people that they took verses of the scripture and pinned them to the inside of their coats. They feigned that they just couldn't get away from the word of God and so they had to have it attached to their person. Or as, like we say in the business world today, they traded on the book. You go into somebody's office and you see a copy of the scriptures laying there, and that's a compliment. But if that individual trades on the book instead of on his business acumen, that's a detriment to the cause of Christ. I've run into a lot of people in the business world that have traded on the book and they've caused a lot of destruction to the name of Christ because if you're supposed to be religious and you're supposed to be holy and you're supposed to be a leader in the Lord's church, you're supposed to have more credibility. And instead of your phylactery on the inside of your coat, you got it laying on your desk. You got to lay it in books that are laying around the office. One thing that really bothers me, and I can't help it, and I wish I could do something about it, but I can't. I see people riding down the road with a copy of the Word of God on their dash. And the sun has boiled it and cooked it and turned the leaves and caused the covers to be dissipated. And they have just made mockery out of the book of life that they have in their car dash. They've never spent any time reading it, you could tell. But boy, the son spent a lot of time working on the book. And you just wonder why people have that in their car on their dash. They think that the word of God is going to be an extra set of eyes 
They could be looking at the road in front of them and protect them. I don't know. But I sure wish they'd take that down and put it in the seat or put it in some covered spot or show it a little respect that it's due. It just hurts my feelings to see a copy of the Word of God boiled and cooked and the pages turned and rended and destroyed because somebody had a little bit lack of nothing for that book, if nothing else, and to allow it to be destroyed. They made broad their phylacteries. In other words, they made them wide so they had plenty of verses of Scripture on them. And they enlarged the borders of their garments so everybody could know they were religious. In the world today, we call it they were putting on a dog. Yeah, they were putting on a show. And not only that, but they loved to have the uppermost rooms at feast and the chief seats in the synagogues. I was talking to a man the other day who was worried about going to some political association meeting. And he was wondering how close to the speaker he was going to be able to sit. I guess the closer you get to the speaker, the more power and prestige and authority. And you get rubbing elbows with one of the boys, you know. I said to him, I said, I'd worry about not sitting too close to the speaker or on the podium or platform, I'd worry about somebody coming up to me just as the thing was about to start and saying, you, sir, are in my seat. You've set yourself in the wrong place and you don't have the right to be here. There's many a good place that's been filled with bad men. But that doesn't mean that what they're doing in trying to teach the gospel of Christ is bad. It's just that bad men have taken advantage of the word of God. There are many people that try to let on like that they're better than you, that they're a priest or they're a pastor or that they're a minister. I know if you'd go back to the derivation of these words, the word minister comes from the word minuscule, small, insignificant. And if they only knew what these words meant, they wouldn't allow themselves to be called that. Somebody asked me the other day, what do they call you at your church? Well, first of all, we had to solve the problem is that I don't have one. It doesn't say the church of Joe Wilson. It says the church of Christ. Now, as most people don't even know what that means, and some even members of the church don't know what that means. They think that means that that's the church that Jesus has got his name on it. No, <laughs> that's not what it means. That's the church of those who have been anointed. Because the word Christ comes from the Hebrew word for which Christ was called, Messiah, the anointed. And they who are part of the church of Christ have been anointed. That anointing comes as they've been baptized into Christ for the remission of sins. And then God gives them the anointing. 1 John 2 and 3 talks about the anointing which you've received. And that anointing is the Holy Spirit. Now, this doesn't allow us to speak in tongues or walk the benches or scream or cry or wear our hair down to our ankles or no makeup or none of that stuff. It just means that having been forgiven of sin, we've been given the earnest of the Spirit 
the down payment on the body to hold that possession until Christ comes. And so we are the church of the anointed. Now, you could add the church of the anointed one, and you would be referring particularly to Christ. But for somebody who's a church member that's been anointed, who's obeyed the same plan of salvation to repent, to be baptized for the remission of sins, who's been given the same gift of the Spirit, John 5, 32, the Bible says, God gives the Spirit to all them that obey him. In Acts 19, 1 through 5, Paul, having passed through the upper coast of uh, Corinth, came to Ephesus, found certain disciples and said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? They said, we've not so much as heard if there be a Holy Spirit. He said, you got a problem with your baptism. You weren't taught wrong. I mean, taught right. And if you're not taught right, you can't be baptized right. These people every once in a while say, well, Joe, I've been baptized. Okay, for what reason? Well, to get to be a member of the church. Well, what does the Bible teach the purpose of being baptism or to be baptized to be? Well, on the day of Pentecost, they cried out to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. These people were baptized to get rid of their sins. And then when their sins were gone, they were saved. It said in verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And what they were added to, they were added to the church of the anointed. In Acts 2.47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church those that were being saved. So when a person is saved, he's anointed. The reason he knows he's anointed, he's received the gift of the Spirit. He knows he receives the gift of the Spirit because God gives the Spirit to all them that obey him. And if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're none of his. Paul writes in Romans, the eighth chapter. So all of us who are baptized into Christ for the remission of sins receive the gift of the Spirit. That causes us to be anointed. This is the anointing that John writes that we received, which you received of him. This anointing is the proof that you've been saved from your past sins, and God has made you a member of the church of the anointed one. But that makes us all brethren. They know big eyes and little use. And if there are those that have work that they do amongst the church, Jesus describes that kind of an individual. Now listen to me. Let's go back to Matthew 23. They love to have greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. They want a name. They want a title. I am reverend, holy, just, perfect. Uh, Leanne and I used to go by a seat here in Fort Pierce somewhere. And the name of that church was so long that we had to come up with a song to remember it. 
I could almost say it for you. The redeemed, holy saints of God, church of God in Christ. Now, man, that's a mouthful. What church you belong to? Redeemed, holy saints. I said, I have to put in cadence. If I don't, I can't get it. Church of God in Christ. What did Jesus say that he would do with those whom he saved? Well, in Acts 2.47, he added them to the church. What about members of the church? Listen, verse 8, be not called rabbi, for one is your master. Don't let somebody call you teacher. Don't let somebody put you on a pedestal. Don't have somebody making you think that they are better than you. Between brethren and Christ, there is no difference. We are all equal. He says, don't, verse 10, neither be called masters. For one is your master, even Christ. Now, here's the type of individual that can serve in a work that God has established where the church could be benefited. He that is greatest amongst you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. The one that's going to be great is the one that serves, not the one that has a name of clarity or clerical distinction. Not the one that has anything to do with a hierarchy because as far as the word of God is concerned, there is no hierarchy in the church of Christ. We're all brethren. I asked this old boy, I said, uh, you asked me what they call me where I'm the preacher? Yeah, I said, what do you call me? He said, Joe. I said, what's wrong with that? Don't I answer? All they do is call you Joe. I said, yeah, what do you want them to call me? Well, reverend, pastor, whatever names religiously that show you to be distinctly superior than the rest of the membership of the congregation. I said, friend, in the Lord's church, there are no names that show one of us distinctly superior to the other. There's only some that serve more and function to be abased more and some that do more than others will do to cause they who are traveling on the road to life eternal a better opportunity of arriving there. But to teach that there's distinction amongst brethren is contradictory to the spirit and the truth that Jesus Christ taught. Oh, I know it's desirable to be fed by people who call themselves angels. But sometimes we get it from the ravens. Remember when old Elijah was running 40 days from Jezebel? And after 40 days, the Lord brought him some food by ravens. The food was good, and it was wholesome. And Elijah was smart. He ate it. And he received it with thankfulness. 
But when men get to think themselves as leaders of God and find themselves in a position of hierarchy, grandeur, distinction, superiority, they're not teaching what the attitude of Christ and the spirit of the gospel commands. And we're in trouble. Let me read this to you again. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at the feast and the chief seats in the synagogues. And greetings in the markets. Reverend, how are you, Reverend? How are you, Pastor? How are you, Most Holy One? I was introduced to an old boy one time. He had his shirt on backwards, and he had some clothing, and it was in the middle of the day, and it was hot. I knew that homeboy was warm. Because, I mean, to wear all that garb in the middle of the summer, outside, and not get up a nice sweat just wouldn't work. He had all that stuff on. He had a little old thing on the top of his head. And I introduced myself to him, and he introduced himself as the most holy, righteous, whatever his name was, and I won't tell you. I looked at him, kind of smiled. He looked at me back, and he said, why do you smile, sir? I said, I think that's comical. Don't you have a name? Oh, you've been giving me your adjectives. I said, when your mama was born you and brought you into this world, you did have one of them, didn't you? Yeah. I said, when your mama brought you into this world, did you come out and she started calling you holy? Hey, holy, come over here, boy. Did she say, hey, come on, righteous? He looked at me and he said, you must be a member of the church of Christ. And I said, it kind of tells, don't it? I said, the best thing for you to do is you give me your first name. If you don't want me to call you your first name, I'll call you whatever you want to, but I ain't going through that litany. The point of it is, we have to follow the teachings of Christ. Be not called rabbi. For one is your master, even Christ. And all Ye are brethren. Now, when you get better than a brother, you're too good to be in the Lord's church. When you have more position in the Lord's church than a brother, you got too much of a position. When you wholly, wholly and vauntedly put yourself in a hierarchy, you're following something that the Bible doesn't teach. And when you do these things, you violate the spirit and the truth of Jesus Christ. I didn't write these things. Christ stated them. Matthew says, Jesus speaking, and call no man, verse 9, your father upon the earth. Now, that doesn't mean you can't call you somebody your daddy physically. That's true. But he says, don't call somebody uh, in the religious sense the means or the purpose or the reason for which you know God and are knowing his word. You're not to serve that kind of man. You're not to show him honor and distinction. Well, Paul says, I planted. Paul watered. But it was God that gave the increase. 
That's in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. In the first chapter, there were some of them that called themselves Paulites, some who called themselves after Peter, some even called themselves after Christ. He said, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? The, the preacher or the member of the church who serves in the function, who tries to uphold, is the one who has been abased, who tries to help you get home as not a person who's gotten more honor and distinction, but it's a person who's decided to serve in a greater capacity. And this person is not somebody who's a lord over God's heritage. They don't have the right or the invitation or the catalog to define such a function. Neither are they to be called masters. Now Jesus said, I'm going to show you how to be great in the kingdom of heaven. Not by the clerical distinction, not by the religious name, not by what somebody calls you, which you support and you call them that and we're all glad to have one. But he said, and whosoever is greatest amongst you shall be a servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. The way you find the servant of God that is to be made in distinction is by what he does, not what he calls himself. It's how he works in the cause of Christ, not because he has the right and the authority to hand down dictums and resolves and demands that you're supposed to obey. Jesus got all over these Pharisees and Sadducees. They had ascended to power and were kept in power by their own. And they became little gods. They demanded to be held in higher esteem than their students. The power of decision over souls, the instruction in the law, which is not evil, they were not able to handle because it made them lovers of power more than lovers of God. And their leaders were held up and supported by that party spirit and hierarchical structure which put them in that position. And so everybody was happy. To say and do not, to teach out of the law, to say it's good, but then somebody else's life stinks, or to say that it's good for you, but I'm not going to do it, to bind the law stringently on others and make excuse for themselves. To want to be seen and singled out. To deny the message of the word of God, which they've had to deny. Because if they'd read it and took it and applied it, it would have changed their heart also. Would it not? So somewhere they've denied this. 
Why? All because they want to be seen and heard. So when we look at Matthew 23, we look at the attitude of those who can help the saints of God, not rule them. For in the cause of Christ, we have no rulers. In the kingdom of God, in this present administration, we're all brethren. Someone said, well, I've never heard a preacher preach that. That puts you in position equal to me. Well, I'm trying to be honest with you. I don't know what put me in a position that was different than you. If God didn't put me there, why would I want to be there? And if I try to get there for power or strength or financial ruin, uh, purpose, maybe ruin too, why do I want to do that to myself? We're all trying to go to heaven. We're all trying to serve God. So what do you call me? Well, don't call me pastor. I'm not in an eldership. Don't call me reverend. I'm not God. Don't call me holy. All of us are supposed to be that, right? Wasn't it Peter that said, be ye holy? As I am holy, saith the Lord God Almighty. That didn't let you off the hook either. Righteous, holy, reverend, pontificate. Ah, we're getting into some good old Latin now. You know, we might have all, all spent a little more time in Latin. We'd know a whole lot more about what they teach in some of these congregations. No. We're all brethren. That's all we are. Now, you can make yourself something that you're not. Be my guest. But then you read Matthew 23 for me and tell me what you get out of it. You see, the same guy that teaches, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, has got to be the same guy that teaches, we're just all brethren. It's the same book, same Lord, same inspiration, same Holy Spirit, same truth. So do we feel like that we're exalted and superior? Not if we've read that book and studied it. If we've read that book and studied it, we're just all brethren. Now, the fellow that preaches or does something else has made himself a servant, has put himself in a position of being debased, has allowed himself and put himself in a purposeful place to serve instead of being served. And like my grandfather used to say, what you do speaks aloud, I can't hear what you say. We're just all brethren. So my name's Joe. Unless you want to call me David, and you can do that too. Because I have that name also. You can call me Wilson, I'll answer to that. But if you call me these other names and I'm keeping walking, it ain't because I don't hear. It's because I don't answer to something that's not my name. You know, Paul, Peter, the apostles, in fact, Peter particularly said, if any man suffer as a elder, or if any man suffer as a preacher, 
Or if any man suffer as a pope? No, 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 no. If any man suffer as a Christian, that is one that I want to be able to wear. Am I a Christian? Now, if you want to be a member of the Lord's church, it's real simple. We don't hold any position of grandeur over you. I got to be fair with you. We've sinned just like you did. By the grace of God, we found out that his plan tells you that you can believe and be baptized. And in that baptistry, your sins will be washed away. And as you come up to the water grave of baptism, you're going to be given a new name, which the mouth of the Lord named. You're going to be added to a new church. Because of the Spirit of God given you, you're going to be called anointed. You're going to be a member of the Church of Christ. No, you're not going to be a member of a denominational church. There's no denominational church mentioned in the Bible. And once you become a member of the child of God as the Church of Christ, we all join hands as brethren, and some because of years of experience, and some because of study, and some because of the desire to love you and help you get to heaven will fall in line beside you and help you walk all the way to heaven. And other than that, they're just like you and I. We're all just brethren. If you need to respond to the invitation, will you come as we stand and sing? As we continue to grow the church and carry the legacy of Joe David Wilson, in this next segment, you will hear sermons from the current preachers here at the Port St. Lucie Church of Christ. Yes, this morning we're going to start on a new series entitled uh, Tongues. Uh, realizing the effort that Paul had and the, and the confusion that was involved at the city of Corinth, that he came there and, and tried to direct those people and uh, taught the gospel, got them mostly associated and separated from idolatry worship that they were practicing. Uh, we're going to eventually read 1 Corinthians 12, 1-3. That's where we're headed. But our understanding of the truth of God's word sometimes is so clouded and skewed by professors of that same truth, we tend to drift from the reality of our goal. We need to examine what the scriptures actually say instead of listening to those who have refused to allow this man to reign over them. The Pentecostals today think they have a corner on the speaking in tongues. But tongues and prophecy was for the non-believer. 1 Corinthians uh, 14.33 teaches us, this is the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians 33 teaches us, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, and He is in all churches of the saints. And we realize that through baptism, the coming in and dwelling of the Holy Spirit, and not to present itself in a, in a physical fashion that makes others believe and think you have some mystical power or, or advantage of some kind, but the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is for the, for the believer themselves to help them, to educate them, to train them, to teach them, to show them, to guide them along the path that we uh, insist that we must follow and 
proceed with. And we learned in 1 Corinthians 14 that as Paul is dealing with this issue of the many gifts in chapter 12, he's dealing with all those things, but tongues seems to have been the most prolific uh, gift uh, of the Holy Spirit in Corinth that people most desired and wanted to be known for. And we realize in 1 Corinthians 3, 17 uh, and 18, we have the opportunity also to understand and realize what's going on. 1 Corinthians three seventeen and 18. And whosoever defiles the temple of God, God will destroy. For the temple of God is holy, and that temple is you. Let no man deceive you, deceive himself. Whosoever among you thinks that he is wise is in this world. Let him consider himself a fool, so that he may become wise. It says here that if any man defile the temple of God, which we are, and our God shall destroy that individual. God no longer lives in tents and block buildings or stone buildings. He lives in the hearts of men. And as we progress down through the, our maturity as Christians and understanding what is necessary and what is ahead of us, we often realize and uh, become aware of the fact that there is a growing and a maturity part associated with our Christianity. When you come out of that baptismal water, you are not perfect, neither physically nor spiritually. There's a spiritual growth that arises and is necessary and that constitutes itself in our uh, growth as children of God. God could have made robots, but in the process of us illustrating how much we love Him, our effort is the fact that we need to grow, study, and learn and become stronger in His Word. For the purpose of when we run across these things that Satan has presented in front of us and man, that we can challenge Satan. We can challenge what is said and taught. We can challenge false doctrine. We can challenge and help ourselves that others might see the truth in us. We study and progress ourselves to the point where we realize that this life is a, is a spiritual growth. And just because some say they have the uh, Holy Spirit in them, and the proof of that Holy Spirit is the expression of talking in tongues and many of these other things. The tongues and the gifts were given to the people at Corneth to convert them. There wasn't any CNN and no Fox News and no uh, element of spreading the gospel other than these miracles. And when these miracles happened and performed, they were the talk of the town. They were, they were uh, spread the news, the glad tidings, of things that have happened. That even at that time, there were people raising the dead. There were those who were ill that were made well. There, was, there were tongue speaking also. There were many things that occurred within that group to convince them that the God that Paul was teaching was better than their stone idols or their, uh, the people they worshipped or the things they worshipped. Matthew 15.8 is where we're going next. And 15.8 says this, The people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. This is where we get into the situation where we learn and study and realize 
that there are people that profess to be Christians and are not. Uh, Saturday night is quite a bit different than Sunday morning. And they do not have the love of God or the love of the brethren in their hearts that allows them to grow and mature and progress themselves to a point where they can grow. Uh, the person that doesn't read and study becomes stagnant and will die. I guarantee you that. Uh, every day we learn something new and every day we study the Word and every day we progress. And that growth and maturity helps us get to where we need to be. Now Matthew 15:11 is where we're going, what we're going to read next because we realize that after reading 8, that there are people that profess Christ but don't live it. They draw near to Him with their lips. They say they're Christians. They say they, they obey the Gospel. They say they love the brethren. But their heart is far from their God. Verse 11 says this, Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the, out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Now these people that promote false doctrine and false teaching, and those things which are not accurate and not truth according to the gospel, are denying Jesus Christ. Some of us find that hard to accept and understand and believe, but when you deny what this book says, you're denying the Word made flesh. You're denying Christ. You don't live by His commandments. You don't follow His directions. There are religious organizations today that have patterned themselves off after man's idea and concepts. There are organizations that, that portray themselves to be Christian and are not. If you don't follow this book and the directions and the things that it tells you and teaches you and shows you to do, that's the purpose of what we were given. For man to go off on his own and, and develop his own uh, theories and own uh, doctrines and his own way is just the same thing that Cain did. Cain and Abel were instructed how to offer sacrifice. Cain had his own idea. He had his own sacrifice. Abel came and tried to show him and explain to him. They even sat down and talked before he slew him. And Cain is, the, is uh, Satan's domain. He is Satan's product. Because in his heart, he hated his brother. God even warned him. Satan's at the door. Be careful what you do and say. And we've learned here in Matthew that there are people that say they're Christians and are not, in verse 8. If you enjoyed today's sermon, read our regularly updated blog for insightful articles by visiting us online at pslchurchofchrist.com. If you would like to watch previous sermons, they can be viewed on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash pslchurchofchrist. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pslchurchofchrist. Or, if you prefer to visit us in person, to learn more on Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m., as well as Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m., and you can visit us at 384 East Midway Road next to Walgreens. See you next week.